I'm going to dive into some more teaching and preaching that I've been doing. We started last week by going over the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit, excuse me, I'm going to correct myself. The fruit of the Spirit. There's one fruit, and it's all these attributes. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The fruit the collective fruit of the Spirit. One thing that's amazing about trees, I've realized, is that the common people, me and you, who are just not biologists, not botanists, we don't recognize trees by their leaves. We never have. Like, if you were to ask me what an orange tree leaf looks like, I have no idea. I recognize and name the tree, not by the leaves or the branches, but by the fruit. Like, I couldn't tell you the difference between a banana leaf right now and an orange leaf. Don't have the faintest idea. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to get going to identify the two different types of plant. I know what the plant is, not because the plant's there, not because the tree's there, but I know what it is when it's time for the fruit to come off. Now I'm an expert. <laughs> now I'm a botanist. Oh, that's a banana tree right there. <laughs> No doubt about it. Not because I saw the tree, but because I saw the fruit. I'm not necessarily going to recognize who you are unless I see the outcome of your life. I see the fruit of your life. Don't be shocked then when people don't necessarily recognize where you, who you and what you are until you have to do something. It's not necessarily what you say. And in fact, I've started to recognize that what people say is kind of like their leaves. But what they do is really like their fruit. Like you can trick people all. You imagine planting a tree and the, and the, garden, and the garden center told you, hey, this is a great apple tree. In the summer, you're going to get tons of apples. And you plant this tree, you say, oh, as long as he says it's an apple tree, it must be an apple tree. So you plant the tree in your garden, you're expecting summer or two from now to get, get a few apples. Only to realize six or seven months later, you have nothing of the sort. This doesn't give you any fruit. And you thought to yourself, I was supposed to be enjoying lovely apples, maybe an apple pie if I'm that skilled. But you're saying to yourself, where's the fruit? But the simple fact is we don't know what trees are until it bears fruit. And the first fruit, the first segment of the fruit that the scripture, scripture describes is love. He kicks off with love. That was no mistake at all. Like, I want you to understand here that love is incredibly important by itself and to the function of the rest of the fruit. Like, I, I, I was kind of regretting last week because I, I had to kick off so quickly to get through all the, fruits of, the, all the fruit of the Spirit. I had to get through all of them that I kind of just put you a scripture here, put you a scripture there, and went through the fruit of the, script, the, fruit of the Spirit. But it's important to realize, man, without love, the rest of them don't even really work. Like, love is the heart of it. Love is the linchpin of this. Love is the cog in this whole thing that makes it work. And I wanted to talk a little bit about more about love this morning as the premier part of the fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, for every fruit, there's different parts to it. There's the, if you were to think about an apple, for example, there's the core of it, there's the seeds, but there's the fleshy part round about the outside. And my thought really is that the love of the love part of the fruit has to be the seed and possibly the fruit, the, the fleshy fruit part. The reason why I say that is because love requires so much of us, requires so much of us, and it takes up the bulk of who we are that you can't escape love. And there's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you to kind of kick off this, this, particular, um, this particular teaching today. Let's start by going to St. John chapter 3. St. John chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. St. John chapter 3 verses 15 and 16. And it reads this. And this is Jesus speaking to the people. He's saying that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Then it's verse 16, which is probably my favorite scripture in the Bible. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten or his only, his only ever son that whosoever believeth in, on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm gonna read that one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved in such a way that it created a response in him. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love was the inspiration and the cause Nothing about us was decent or reasonable. It wasn't that we were his favorite or that we did something good. It's that he loved and that he gave. And to understand this kind of love, we have to understand that there are a variety of kind of loves out there and I don't want you to get them confused. Because if you get them confused, what will happen is you will run out of the particular kind of love resource that you've been relying on and wonder why you can't continue. So the scripture describes multiple types of love in multiple different ways. Um, in the New Testament especially, um, there are different types of love that are described. Unfortunately for us, we're pretty simple with our English language and so we just usually see the word love, L-O-V-E. But there are different types of underlying translations from the original Greek that are really important. Right? So when we see the word love, we have to understand what kind of love we're actually talking about in this context. Right? So if I see the word love, it's like um, the Inuit community, the ones that the, the, those folks we've been referred to as Eskimos in the past, are in the in North Pole, I believe they are. And they live in, obviously, a landscape of ice and snow. Right? They live in nothing but ice and snow. They make their houses out of ice and snow. They are used to it. They understand the area. Right? They have over 30 words for the word ice. We have one, maybe two. We have black ice and ice. That's it. We have two words for ice. Because their whole life is built around ice, they have over 30 different words. They have ice that's strong enough to stand on. They have ice that's not, too, not strong enough to bear your weight. They have all kinds of words for ice. Why? Because ice for them is life and death. Right? Ice, they have to know when they say ice, you've got to be very specific, otherwise somebody's life could be in danger. 
love is the same thing. And I need you to understand what love is, regardless of what we're talking about, because our lives depend on love. And so I'm going to introduce to you some words that have been used to describe love directly from Scripture. First of all, there is this idea of storge, spelled S-T-O-R-G-E-O-R-G-E. Now, my pronunciation of Greek isn't great, so please excuse me. Uh, but storge is a kind of love that is the love families have, right? The fact that a child is born into a family or a family is formed, they have these natural connections to each other. Like unbreakable connections. Like I know when we were growing up, uh, me and my sister did not get along. Sonia, that is, the one who left. We did not get along at all. Like we didn't get along till I was about 13 or 14. So she actually left and went to college. So no, if you don't get along with your brothers, don't worry, it gets better. Trust me, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better, I trust me, it really does. Um, so we never got along when we were in the house together, but as soon as she left for college, man, I started to miss having her around. And I realized that my sister was my sister. Like, regardless of my friends or whatever house I had, my sister was my sister, and there was just no way I could live without her. I realized at that moment, sisters have a kind of a, brothers and sisters have a kind of a connection. We kind of always roughhousing when we're younger, but at some point you realize, man, that's my brother, that's my sister. That's a kind of storage love. Storage love also covers mother's love for children too. And father's love for mothers, and brother's love for brothers, cousin's love, it's a family love. It's described in scripture in different ways, not very many times to be honest, because storage love isn't the love we're all aiming for. But I'm just describing to you, there's multiple kinds of love. So there's family love, right? There is eros, which is romantic love. This is the love a husband has for his wife. It's the love that makes you decide to get flowers. It's the love that makes you say, I'm gonna take you out for a meal this evening. The kids, here's $20 for a pizza, take care of yourself. I'm taking my wife out for a, for a beautiful meal. I'm saying you don't have to do it. Put on something, put on something nice. We're going out. That's the, that's the romantic love we're talking about, right? It helps to, to create connections between people. You know, you date somebody for the first time, whatever it is, you find these opportunities to kind of create romantic affection and love. Right, that's another kind of love. Um, then we have philia, which is another kind of love. This one is, re this one is directly referenced in the Bible. When you saw the scripture, let brotherly love continue, this is philia, this is the word that was used instead of love. The scriptures used two words to describe that, brotherly love, so that we would understand what kind of love we are talking about. It's why you have the city of Philadelphia. It's from the Greek base for the word brotherly love or friendly love or love between two friends. This is the kind of friends when you know you have that friend that you've known since second grade and regardless of how the fact that he didn't, you know, he didn't do the things you did, you're still your friend and he calls you and you know it's frustrating and you know it's gonna be another bit of drama, but he's your friend. So you say, I'm gonna go ahead and do help this guy out again, <laughs> right? I'm gonna go out of my way again. That's Philadelphia. Those three types of love, 
get covered in some way in the Bible, right? But they're not often, they're not talked about a whole bunch in the Bible, but they are talked about. But in every single instance, it relies on something for the love to be there. Like it's conditional love, right? So, storage love, this idea of a family affection requires us to be related. It it requires that, that kind of precondition for me to love you. Like you can't just become my sister. You can't take my sister's place just because you want to. I need the storage bit first. I need the family bit first. The same way with romantic love. If if I'm not, you know, if I don't like you, there's there's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing I can work with. I'm like, it needs a precondition for my love to be enacted towards you. The same way with Philip, if we're not friends, don't expect friendly love from me because we are not friends. Like I'm not gonna, you can't call me at two o'clock in the morning for a favor if we're not friends. You're just gonna hear a ringtone. I'm not gonna respond. It's not gonna be good for you. We're not, it needs a precondition. Then finally we come to the last kind of love that is mentioned in the Bible. This particular kind of love is mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament alone. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's mentioned more than this kind of love. This kind of love is repeated over and over and over again. It's like the whole of New Testament's trying to let you know that this kind of love is way more important than any other kind of love. It's why when the fruit of the Spirit is mentioned, why love comes first, and it's mentioned a very particular kind of love. It is agape love. Now we're getting to the heart of what the scripture is. It's not philia, it's not eros, it's not storage, it's agape love. So when you see the word love mentioned or repeated in the scripture, I want you to assume because in all likelihood it's talking about agape love. It's talking about what the scripture calls and what's translated as unconditional love. It's unconditional love. Unlike the other versions of love, there is no precondition. Doesn't need you to be my brother. Doesn't need you to be my family. Doesn't need you to be my friend. It doesn't need romantic affection. It's just love. Like it needs nothing else. You don't have to be in my neighborhood. I don't, I don't know if there's a geography love or a street love or a neighborhood love. Doesn't need it. Doesn't need country. Doesn't need constitutions. It doesn't need law. Doesn't need rules. It's just love. It doesn't require, this is the kind of love, that's why we, you know, you look at the law, you look at the the way we constitute to make sure we have a community that's safe. We say, let's put everything in a law to make sure that we treat each other right. Right? We we use that as a mechanism to say we're all, you know, we're a population of almost a million here in Columbus. And we say, how do we make sure a million people get along? Well, you say, let's put some rules and laws in there to make sure we treat each other right. And Agape says, I don't need the rules. I'm going to treat you good because of love. It's self-referencing. It only needs itself in order to 
make it work. Agape love says, I don't care if you're not my family. I don't care if you're not my wife. I don't care if you're not my friend. I'm loving you anyway. Let's go back now to St. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Make sure we understand what he's saying. Let's read that once more time. I know it by heart, but I want to go to the scripture. St. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. No condition, no setup, no law, no reason. He just loves. And what do you say? Yes. That he, and look at what love requires. Love doesn't require a condition from you. My love for you doesn't need you to do anything. Like, it doesn't need you to, to get better at something, or get cleaner, or get better, or taller, or better looking. None of those things are required for agape love. God's love required him to do something. So when he says we're supposed to love each other, and you're saying, I can't love Brother Jonathan until he cleans up his life. You see how the problem is? You want storage love. What you want is family love. What you want is friendship love. But what the Lord is saying, I need you to have agape love for Brother Jonathan. Don't wait for him to fix it. That's friendly love. That's brotherly love, right? That's why we get frustrated with each other because we are relying on the wrong kind of love. You're, wondering, you're trying to figure out why is you're annoyed with this person and can't love them because you've come at them with the wrong kind of love. The scripture isn't asking you to get brotherly love. In fact, it does ask you to do that, but it's not relying on brotherly love to help you get over what it is that's ailing you. <laughs> Keep reading that scripture for me. His only begotten son. So he gave, because he had this love in him, he gave the one and original thing he had, the one he wasn't going to make another. He says, my only son, my only begotten son. And another way to say that is, I'm giving one son. I only have one. I don't have another to give. That's it. The only one of this I have, I'm going to give. That's what love says. Love says, this is my last five dollars, but I love you this much that I'm just going to go ahead and give it. Brotherly love might say, you know what? You know I gave you something last week. Brotherly love will say, you know what? You spent the last, you still owe me from last time. Brotherly love says, I remember that you still owe me. And I'm not going to give you this five. But agape love says, oh, you're here again, but I'm just going to have to love you. Here it is. Agape love is, is a challenge. Look, agape love isn't easy. I don't want to get that twisted. Agape love is tough, difficult. That's why God fixed the problem and not us. Because we would have used family love to fix the problem. So if it was me fixing it, me and my wife would have been good, but none of the rest of you would have got... You see what I mean? My romantic love would have helped me and my wife, but none of the rest of you would be saved. Agape love is necessary for salvation. Agape love is necessary for us to live together well. Okay, let's keep going. I want to go to another scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. You'll hear this one read during marriages, 
where we talk about love. You'll hear this especially at marriages. But I wonder sometimes if people don't get how difficult this scripture is. Like, this is a tough script. Like, the, the, the things that are difficult in churches for me aren't trying to get people to um, live right, stop drinking, stop, you know, doing whatever it is they're doing. The difficult part for, for churches is figuring out how to get agape love right. That's the difficult part of churches. That's the difficult part of community. That's the difficult part of family. It's figuring out the balance of, of agape love. And this, this particular scripture has been used repeatedly, and it's been used mostly to kind of talk about love for marriages, but this is agape love. It doesn't need a condition. This isn't talking about eros, romantic love. This is talking about agape love. So I need you to kind of approach this scripture with agape love in mind. Um, go ahead and start reading for me, please. Actually, from verse 1, if you would. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, and we're going to go all the way to verse 8. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity or love, I am become as the sounding brass or a taking symbol. Right. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Wow, so what we've just, what we've just learned is that it's easier probably for you to believe with enough faith to move a mountain and to do so without even having a shred of love. Can you imagine having the faith to move an actual mountain? We haven't even got there yet, right? And yet he's saying you can do all of this thing more with more likelihood than to do it with love. And if you do it with love, you're kind of messing up the whole thing anyway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Keep reading. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profited me nothing. That's a great point. Just, just to be clear, this is the, the translation of the King James Version is charity, and this word is literally the definition of love. I want you to understand that it kind of goes beyond charity as in giving to the poor, yeah, yes, yes. that this is talking about this agape love concept. That every time you hear the word charity in this scripture, in this, ver in this version, it's talking about love. Yes, it is. <laughs> Agape love. It's talking about that right here. And it's saying, you know, you can performatively give to the poor. You can give with kind of just with a bit of performance. Make sure that, you know, poor person gets a little $10 here. And if you've done that without agape love, it's not even worth your time. You've kind of wasted your time. Man, this love stuff is difficult. Can you imagine finding out that you've given things and you didn't give it with the right spirit? And you know, you, when you're on the wrong side of giving with the wrong spirit, it feels awful. Yes, sir. It's an experiment, I know. You can have a 10, a 20, I could have pull out a $20 bill right now. I could stamp on it right at this very second. It won't lose a little bit of value. Will it? It'll be still $20. If I stamp on the $20 bill, it'll still be 20 But if I were to take that 20 and say to because he needs $20 from me, and throw it at his feet, it would still be $20, but giving it in that spirit is hurtful. That's not agape. That's not even brotherly love. <laughs> You've qualified for zero love at that point. It's still a $20 bill. 
And you could say to yourself, I still gave him the 20. <laughs> but it is not love. And some of us treat each other like this and we've got to stop it. Because love is necessary for us. We act like we've given something and we've thrown it at people's feet and expecting them to take it and we've got to do better with our love. This is the challenge, saints. This is the challenge, people of God. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse four, charity or love and is kind. Keep reading, sir. Charity Yeah. Charity, love, not itself. It is not puffed up. Yep. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Yeah. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Yeah. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endures all things. Just read the top of verse eight. Charity, love, never fails. Love never fails. It's interesting how this last, those last verses that he read, verses eight through, um, uh, verses four through eight, those last few verses were interesting. Paul broke up what love is and what love isn't. He broke it up into multiple different ways to let you know what love is and what love is not. Like sometimes we have a twisted sense of love and he wanted to make sure that you understand that love is, is things like patient. He said it actually, suffereth long. Remember I spoke about this last week in the fruit of the spirit? Now we understand the connection, right? The fruit of the spirit began with love and then went everywhere else. The scripture tells us that not only is love important but love has to be agape love and it requires patience to make love work the fruit of the spirit are interconnected having love for somebody without joy isn't quite the love that the scripture wants for you to have you've got to have love with long suffering imagine lo loving somebody but not having the patience to hear what they say doesn't feel like love to me <laughs> You've got to have love with long-suffering. That's what the scripture says here. Thank you, Lord. They're saying love is kind. <laughs> you want to give somebody love, but you don't want to be kind? Fundamentals of love is that it's kind. Love, what love is, he says, he says love is kind, it rejoices in truth. That means it's joyful in truth. That's what love does for us. The love bears all things, means it keeps confidence. This is what this means. It doesn't mean it just, just goes through and able to do anything to somebody for love. It means it endures and keeps things. Sometimes I have to, with love, bear each other's burdens. We have to bear each other's burdens. This is difficult stuff. <laughs> this is why it's difficult to preach this in churches because this requires not something of somebody else, but something of me. This is why it's tough. It's kind of easy to preach the messages where you need to do something and real tough preaching the messages where we've got to do stuff. Like that's my, that's the easy one. Gosh, I wish you would live this way and the Holy Spirit is telling me, Mark, you've got to love this way. All right. It goes on to say what love is. Love believes all things. 
and meaning that it has gives you the power to have faith earlier in the scripture it says that faith without love is no good and here it's saying that love without faith you see how they're all tied together that's why it's one fruit they're all tied together i can't have love properly without faith and now i'm finding out i can't have faith properly without love endures all things what does love not do and maybe we can use this as well love is not envious envy and jealousy are different things by the way jealousy is you know i can be jealous and not necessarily be hurtful like i can see minister flag has these wonderful brown shoes on he also has the same jeans as me by the way but he has these wonderful brown brown shoes on and i could see them and be kind of jealous of them and say man i wish i had those but envious what envy does is much worse envy says i'm gonna make sure when he's not looking i get a chance to steal them envy takes what jealousy might use and means harm to him because of the feeling does that make sense it takes it too far. Envy means I mean him ill now because I see what he has. <laughs> so we've got to avoid envy. You can't have love. Love is not envy. Love isn't arrogant. Love is not prideful. Love isn't inappropriate. It doesn't act disgracefully or selfish. And it doesn't think evil. You know what thinking evil is that, that one where it says um, it, it, it to, to, to keep a track of all the bad things. Like, it's, like I, I lent you five dollars last week, what are you coming for, for 250 this week for? Like love doesn't keep track like that. And we tend to do that because we want to make sure that we're you know, we always got the account balanced exactly just right. Can you imagine if the Lord took that account th that, that way? Like, if he said, I'm going to wait for them to get it just right, then I'm going to be good to them. We would be in so much hurt. If you want to know what the difficulty in our churches today is, it's that we have decided to sidestep love and decided to chase other things and love is the prime thing that we're supposed to be going after. 200 plus references to love to this kind of love in scripture. 200 plus, I'm finding it difficult to find what is mentioned more often than love. So therefore I've got no choice but to mention it and repeat it. Love suffers long. Love has patience. It tempers itself. And here's the thing about love that we often miss. I've got one more scripture I want to share. It's in um, 1 John 4, 7 through 14. 1 John 4, 7 through 14. Here's the thing about love. It's, it's not sourced in us. It's sourced in him. And if we are wanting to show that we're his children, we have to show characteristics that come from our father like if you want to know who my dad is he's passed now but if he wants to know who my dad is the best way to do that is to go to his kids like because they carry more of him than anybody else left like brother flag minister flag looks just like his dad <laughs> like if i want to know who his dad is i haven't 
unfortunately spend a bunch of time with him, but I do know if I want to look at the closest thing on earth, it would be his son, right? Like, you have to be the characteristic of your father. So I'm encouraging you to bear the characteristic of your father. Not your earthly father, but your heavenly father. Let's read that scripture out real quick. For this is the message that we have heard from the beginning. Yes. That we should love one another. Ah, here we go. <laughs> Not as Cain, verse 12, who was of the wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Yeah. Marvel not, my brother, if the world hate you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. Yes, sir. That loveth not his brother abideth in death. Wow. Here, the scripture's gone even further. So you can't love, <laughs> you're abiding in death. That's, that's, that's tough. Not only, we can't sidestep love and get to joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, while we're abiding in death. How are we going to do that? There's no peace in death. We have to get love right first. I know this is a challenge. This is a challenge, but it's a necessary one. Let's keep going. Oh, sorry. Let's, let's go back to um, verse 7. Sorry. Let's go back to... Did I, did I, I think I've missed my scripture. Let's go back to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Yes. For love is of God. Yes, beloved, love one another. Love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. So we'll recognize your character. You'll be that tree in the summertime giving forth fruit because you come from God. Let's keep going. Here we have a definition of God. We have not just an attribute of God, but a definition of God. We see that love, God is love. So if there's a source of this, it's in him. God literally is love. So when he said, for God so loved the world, that he gave, God was so much of his own self, his attribute forced him, this person that he is, this function that he is, is so full of love that it presented no other opportunity but to give Jesus his son. <laughs> what is love requiring of you and us? Of God, it required his son. Of us, it requires something we need to give to each other. If you're not giving love to each other, it's because you're not of love. And look what it's, and we've already got into what it says to be not loving. Keep going. In verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. He did this so that we could have life. Keep going. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us <laughs> and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. So he would create a solution for sin. Yes. 
And he loved us, not because we loved him, but just loved us. Again, no condition, no prerequisites. No, you get this part right and I'll meet you halfway. Not you need to deposit on this love. Not this you need to clean up your life bit and, and then I'll help you. Not this you need to get these things right and these things right then I'll get my son to come down and help you. He said, let me give my son first and you get to do what you need with that love. Stop relying on Philadelphia love. Stop relying on Sturge love. Let's start relying on agape love. <laughs> Let's keep going. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, yes, this is my... to also love one another. <sighs> That's where we're getting with this whole thing. If God loves us, we've got to take that same love and give it to somebody. This is tough stuff. We talk about love and we want to talk about eros all the time. We want to talk about love and talk about brotherly love all the time. And we don't want to talk about agape love. We've got to love each other with the same love that he loved us. It's sourced in him. It's given from him. And we need to find a way to make it part of our active lives. There's no other part of the scripture that's more difficult than love. At, right at the end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians that minister read, it says that there abideth three, charity, faith, and, 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 and hope. The greatest of these is love, charity. I'd also like to put it a different way, that the most difficult of these to attain is love. That like faith, believing on something, I mean, it's difficult, but it's doable. Hoping in something, it's difficult but doable, but maintaining love, that's the greatest of the challenges that we are, we are left with as the church. But I'm asking you to, to dig in on this challenge. We will create a wonderful community if we are committed to the concept of loving unconditionally. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.